We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers, other merch, just uh, visit our Patreon. We are Womance on Patreon, or is it patreon.com forward slash Womance? We would be very proud to call you one of our patrons. Hello and welcome to Womance's public access read-along of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. And I am your odd chapter reader, Morgan. Morgan, we're reading an even chapter this week, so what happened in chapter 27 for anybody who isn't caught up? Well, January and February went by in one sentence, and then March is around, around, and Elizabeth decides she's going to go visit her friend Charlotte, and on the way, she's going to stop off in London because she wants to visit her aunt and uncle and her sister. And while she's in London, she discovers that her sister has actually been super depressed, and her aunt implies, or not implies, her aunt states that she thinks Wickham might be a bit of a mercenary because he didn't take up with this new gal until her grandfather had died and given her $10,000. She's like, like, stop telling me truths I don't want to hear, Mrs. Gardner. (laughs) Basically. Chapter 28. Every object in the next day's journey was new and interesting to Elizabeth, and her spirits were in a state for enjoyment, for she had seen her sister looking so well as to banish all fear for her health, and the prospect of her northern tour was a constant source of delight. When they left the high road for the lane to Hunsford, every eye was in search of the parsonage, and every turning expected to bring it into view. The paling of Rosings Park was their boundary on one side. Elizabeth smiled at the recollection of all that she had heard of its inhabitants. At length, the parsonage was discernible. The garden sloping to the road, the house standing in it, the green pails and the laurel hedge, everything declared they were arriving. Mr. Collins and Charlotte appeared at the door, and the carriage stopped at the small gate, which led by a short gravel walk to the house, amidst the nods and smiles of the whole party. In a moment, they were all out of the chaise, chaise, rejoicing at the sight of each other. Mrs. Collins welcomed her friend with the liveliest pleasure, and Elizabeth was more and more satisfied with coming, when she found herself so affectionately received. She saw instantly that her cousin's manners were not altered by his marriage. His formal, his formal civility was just what it had been, and he detained her some minutes at the gate to hear and satisfy his inquiries after all her family. They were then with no other delay than his pointing out the neatness of the entrance taken into the house, and as soon as they were in the parlor, he welcomed them a second time with ostentatious formality to his humble abode and punctually repeated all his wife's offers of refreshment. 
Elizabeth was prepared to see him in his glory, and she could not help fancying that in display the good proportion of the room, its aspect, and its furniture, he addressed himself particularly to her, as if wishing to make her feel what she had lost in refusing him. But though everything seemed neat and comfortable, she was not able to gratify him by any sigh of repentance, and rather looked with wonder at her friend that she could have so cheerful an air with such a companion. When Mr. Collins said anything of which his wife might reasonably be ashamed, which certainly was not unseldom, she involuntarily turned her eye on Charlotte. Once or twice, she could discern a faint blush, but in general, Charlotte wisely did not hear. After sitting long enough to admire every article of furniture in the room, from the sideboard to the fender, to give an account of their journey and all that had happened in London, Mr. Collins invited them to take a stroll in the garden, which was large and well laid out, and to the cultivation of which he attended himself. To work in his garden was one of his most respectable pleasures, and Elizabeth admired the command of countenance with which Charlotte talked of the healthfulness of the exercise and owned she encouraged it as much as possible. Here leading the way through every walk and crosswalk, and scarcely allowing them an interval to utter the praises he asked for, every view was pointed out with a minuteness which left beauty entirely behind. He could number the fields in every direction and could tell how many trees were the trees there were in the most distant clump, but of all the views which his garden or which the country or the kingdom could boast, none were to be compared with the prospect of rosings afforded by an opening in the trees that bordered the park nearly opposite the front of his house. It was a handsome modern building well situated on rising ground. So the basement doesn't flood, I guess. <laughs> From his garden, Mr. Collins would have led them round his two meadows, but the ladies, not having shoes to encounter the remains of a white frost, turned back, and while Sir Williams accompanied him, Charlotte took her sister and friend over the house, extremely well pleased, probably, to have the opportunity of showing it without her husband's help. It was rather small, but well-built and convenient, and everything was fitted up and arranged with a neatness and consistency of which Elizabeth gave Charlotte all the credit. When Mr. Collins could be forgotten, there was really a great air of comfort throughout, and by Charlotte's evident enjoyment of it, Elizabeth supposed he must be often forgotten. God, she's a jerk. Golly. This is unrelenting. That's so true. She'd already learned that Lady Catherine was still in the country. It was spoken of again while they were at dinner, when Mr. Collins, joining in, observed, Yes, Miss Elizabeth, you will have the honor of seeing Lady Catherine de Bourgh on the ensuing Sunday at church, and I need not say you will be delighted with her. She is all affability and condescension, and I doubt not, but you will be honored with some portion of her notice when service is over. I have scarcely any hesitation in saying that she will include you and my sister Mariah in every invitation with which she honors us during your stay here. Her behavior to my dear Charlotte is charming. We dine at Rosings twice every week and are never allowed to walk home alone. Her ladyship's carriage is regularly ordered for us. I should say one of her ladyship's carriages, for she has several. Ooh, hot cha-cha. <laughs> Lady Catherine is a very respectable, sensible woman, indeed, added Charlotte, and a most attentive neighbor. Very true, my dear. That is exactly what I say. She is the sort of woman whom one cannot regard with too much deference. <laughs> the evening was spent chiefly in talking over Hertfordshire news, the telling again what had been already written, and when it, in when it closed, Elizabeth, in the solitude of her chamber, had to meditate upon Charlotte's degree of contentment, to understand her address and guiding, and composure and bearing with her husband, and to acknowledge that it was all done very well. 
She had also to anticipate how her visit would pass. The quiet tenor of their usual employments, the vexation, the vexatious interruptions of Mr. Collins, and the gaieties of their with, intercourse with Rosings. A lively imagination soon settled it all. About the middle of the next day, as she was in her room getting ready for a walk, a sudden noise below seemed to speak the whole house in confusion, and after listening a moment, she heard somebody running up the stairs in a violent hurry and calling loudly after her. She opened the door and met Mariah in the landing place, who, breathless with agitation, cried out, Oh, my dear Eliza, pray make haste and come into the dining room, for there is such a sight to be seen. I will not tell you what it is. Make haste and come down this moment. Elizabeth asked questions in vain. Mariah would tell her nothing more, and down they ran into the dining room, which fronted the lane in quest of this wonder. It was two ladies stopping in a low phaeton at the garden gate. And is this all? cried Elizabeth. I expected at least the pigs were gotten to the garden, and here is nothing but Lady Catherine and her daughter. La, my dear, cried Mariah, quite shocked at the mistake. It is not Lady Catherine. The old lady is Mrs. Jenkinson, who lives with them. The other is Miss de Bourgh. Only look at her. She is quite a little creature. Who would have thought she could be so thin and small? She is abominably rude to keep Charlotte out of doors in all this wind. Why does she not come in? Oh, Charlotte says she hardly ever does. It is the greatest of favors when Miss de Berg comes in. I like her appearance, said Elizabeth, struck with other ideas. She looks sickly and cross. Yes, she will do for him very well. She will make him a very proper wife. Oh, Mr. Collins and Charlotte were both standing at the gate in conversation with the ladies, and Sir William's to Elizabeth's high diversion was stationed in the doorway in earnest contemplation of the greatness before him, and constantly bowing whenever Miss de Berg looked that way. At length, there was nothing more to be said. The ladies drove on. The others returned into the house. Mr. Collins no sooner saw the two girls than he began to congratulate them on their good fortune, which Charlotte explained by letting them know that the whole party was asked to dine at Rosings the next day. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I feel like Charlotte and Mr. Collins are like a through the looking glass version of Lizzie's parents. Mm. Like Mr. Collins is her mom and Charlotte is her mm-hmm. long suffering father, except Charlotte deals with it with a great deal more dig- dignity than her father does. Certainly would have been socialized to do so. Yeah. And it, it, it is. It like serves as like a kind of a stark reminder um, and like kind of underlines her speech about why she needed to get married to Mr. Collins. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that like, Lizzie respects that choice in Wickham, right? She bristles when her aunt calls Wickham mercenary. Um, And she rightly says to her aunt, well, you called it imprudent if you'd wanted me. But she can't extend the same sort of grace, understanding, or full calculation to Charlotte. Yeah. I was about to say it's because, you know, she can see Charlotte... Clearly, but at this point, she can't. Like, It's literally impossible for her. She's like, at every turn, she's looking to find, like, cracks in Charlotte's resolve or cracks in her countenance or, like, cracks in her happiness. And is, like, reassured by times when Charlotte is embarrassed or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. which is not a good way to feel. You shouldn't feel good when someone else feels bad. Especially someone that you've loved for most of your life. Like, this this chapter is ugly. Elizabeth is ugly in this chapter yeah the past four yeah it's like they're setting us up for something 
I don't know what it could be. I don't be. know what it is. What could it be? But it definitely feels like super duper ramped up. And what's weird is like... Oh, and that mean comment she makes about Miss DeBerg without even like talking to her. Just about her appearance. <laughs> yeah, I like the look of her. She's sickly and thin. Yikes. And she looks... Yeah, she, she'll make a good companion for him or whatever. Like Again, obliquely Mr. Darcy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he hasn't... We haven't seen him in person since the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's in every chapter. Um, This is a massive ramp up of Lizzie's ugliness in a way that I have never actually clocked before. And it's because I think that as a younger person and as somebody who always identified deeply with Lizzie, her observations felt justified. Mm-hmm. Or even just like simply witty. Yeah, simply witty. And now I see that they are so barbed. And they're mean. Like, she's mean. I think that's the thing is, like, her her wit kind of allows her meanness to sneak by if you're not, I don't know, older. <laughs> I don't know what it is that's, like, keeping it, mm-hmm. like, keeping it to account this time. Yeah, I think that's right. If you're not reading it aloud to someone on a podcast. Yeah, because she's charming in the miniseries and she's extremely charming as portrayed by Kira Knightley. Like this, this kind of, and it's because she is genuinely smarter than a lot of the people around her. And so like. Truly, yeah. The power dynamic of her intellect and her ability to have these stinging observations feels even the more cruel. Right? Like, what the fuck has Mr. Sir William, right? Sir William has never been anything but kind to her. He's always gone out of his way to help her. In fact, he talked about how charming she was at the ball that Darcy dissed her. Like, he has always been good to her. And so, like, the fact that he's boring and, like, Mm -hmm. absurd, it just feels like it's in a... She's in a position now, like, if Mr. Darcy said those things about Sir William, she'd be affronted. But, like, she gets to think those mean things about a man who's known her since her birth and, like, genuinely cares about her well-being, gave her a free ride to see, you know, her best bud, Charlotte, you know? (laughs) It's like... (laughs) No less less than 24 miles in one day. Right? Like, he's, like... And, like, he visited her aunt. Like, the whole thing is, like, Sir William and Mariah are being cool about, like... Lizzie crashing their homage to Rosings. And she's being Uh a real jerk about it. Well, I have to say, there is something here about being in a, living in a small town, right? They're not just, Mm -hmm. she's not just friends with Charlotte and that's Charlotte's dad. Like, they're family friends. Their lives are super entwined. And I think when you have that level of intimacy, from the time you're a young person, and I think Lizzie still is a young person, you really take it for granted. Yeah. And it's... I think that's fair. I, I find her cruelty towards Miss DeBerg the most disturbing, you know? Or, like, the least like the least traceable, except for the fact that she's being mean. She's just at the end of her rope. It also feels like that's a comment that she would have made to Wickham. Yes! Yes! Yeah. It is. Like something he would go, he would titter at. (laughs) Exactly. 
Like, she's, like, making a cruel joke for someone. And, like, whether or not it's for her alone, it definitely seems like the audience... Because, like, there's no one here at the parsonage who would think that fo- was funny. Yeah. Truly. With Do you have anything else that you want to add? No. Mm-mm. All right. Mm-mm. Loosen your prejudices out there, y'all. But never your prides. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Woli guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womancepodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>